we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church.
attenuate, change from glory into glory. Till we cast, cast our crowns before thee, what, what a beautiful picture of heaven. As we prepare to worship today, what a great way to begin. It's great to see you today. As we begin this worship service, let me read for you Psalm 34, 1 to 3, and set our hearts and minds where we're supposed to be this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Amen? Amen. Are you ready to magnify the name of the Lord with me? Let's exalt his name together. Hymn 227, praise him, praise him. those around you in worship this morning. of the Lord. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are grateful that you are here. If, if you are a guest with us this morning, we would love to get to know you. And the way we do that are through these guest registration cards in the pew back in front of you. So if you're a guest, we'd love to, for you to fill that out for us and put it in the offering plate at the end of the service. You may also be aware that there is a, a second side to that for visitors, for church members alike. We hope you take a look at that before the, before the day's over. You know, there have been all kinds of things in recent days that would cause us to believe that the world is crumbling around us. It is as if the day is drawing near. You know, as we, as we have these circumstances that surround us, we are reminded in times like these, reminded in times of worship, reminded that as we gather around Scripture together, that we have an eternal hope in a loving God. 
And in fact, that loving God who gives us eternal hope has laid out his plan and his purpose and his love for us very clearly in the person of Jesus Christ and in the word of the Lord that we find in front of us here. And so we're grateful for that. And we praise our Lord for that. In fact, that's why we come together and we gather in this place because of that eternal hope. Far outweighs all the temporal circumstances we find ourselves in. And we look up to our God and we praise him for that peace that passes all understanding. So let us pray together and we'll continue worship. Lord, as we gather in this time, as we gather together, we know that you are a sovereign Lord tending to each one of our needs. Though the world falls apart, you are steady. You are the foundation upon which our lives are built. And so, Lord, we cling to you with all that we are. Lord, we, we long to draw in near to you, to see your spirit work in each one of our hearts and homes. So, Lord, this morning we, we cling to that promise that if we draw near to you, you'll draw in near to us. And so, Lord, this morning we pray, begging for your spirit. Come, nurture us, make us whole. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Pastor and his welcome talked about the day drawing near. Hear what the writer of Hebrews says that we should do in that circumstance. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, follow along as I read. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We've come to draw strength from the Lord this morning, corporately, individually, we are here to praise his good, great name. Let me ask you this. Do you have somebody in your life that writes letters or cards? You run to your mailbox and you see that card and you just know there's a good word in there. Handwritten notes. Some of you people have to, you're going to have to Google what handwriting is. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. People that would just send you a card of encouragement. I think Paul in his, in his letter to the church at Colossae would could give us a master class on how to encourage, to be thankful for, for what God is doing in our lives and what would he say to the, if he were to write a letter to the church in San Antonio, the First Baptist Church of San Antonio? Would he hear of our good deeds? Has the word produced fruit? Is he thanking God for us? Who are you thankful for, for instilling the word in you and, and giving you that, that first steps of faith? Let us be grateful for God for all those people today. As we sing, now thank we all our God. Let's just be grateful for all the blessings in our lives. Standing together, hymn 638.
may be seated. Men, children, come on down to the front. Come on down. It's good to see you. We want to welcome all those watching on the TV today, too. We're grateful that you're a part of our congregation. You can be here with us. Yeah, come on down. Yeah, you need to be able to see. I've got, I've got a picture for you today. Oh, it is upside down. Thank you. Maybe I meant it to be upside down. Can anybody tell me what this is? It is a map. That is exactly right. Can anybody tell me what this map is of? What, you can just say it out loud. You, you just... Yes, this is a map of San Antonio. That's exactly right. How many of you go to places that would be somewhere on this map? You ever, you ever go to anywhere on this map? All right, what are some of the places that you go to that are somewhere on this map? Yeah, just say them out loud. What are they? Oh, wait, Houston's not on here. We'll get to that in a minute. No, but on the map. Uh, we'll get there in just a second. On the map, what, what do you, anything, any place on here that you normally go where, just say it out loud. Yeah, McDonald's, there's, there's probably like 100 McDonald's on this map. SeaWorld, that's probably somewhere on the map, right, over here. Church is right here. Yeah, go ahead. What? No, not on this map. We don't have Corpus, we don't have Houston, but we love the coast, don't we? Especially on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, go ahead. Schools. Yeah, and so all of our San Antonio schools are on here. But don't you say, we go all over this map, don't we? we? Our homes, a lot of our homes are on this map. A lot of our schools are on this map. Our church is on this map. Our favorite restaurants are on this map. There's all kinds of places and all kinds of people on, that live where this map shows us. And you know, anywhere on this map that you go, Jesus is with you. Now, let's talk about it. Some of you already mentioned a couple places not on this map. So, Corpus is not on this map. It's a long way. Houston is not on this map. Where else is somewhere that you go that's not on this map? Where else would that be? Port Aransas? Yeah, we're going to hit all the way down the coast. Yeah, where else? Yeah, where else do you go that's not on this map? The Dallas, that's right. Yeah, where, where else? Maine, yeah, that's really far from this map. Yeah, you can just say them out. What? San Marcos, yeah. In, where else? Where? Romania, yeah, that's a long way from the map. That's right. Do you go downtown? Yeah, downtown's right here in the middle. Yeah, where else? Where? Montana, yeah, we're going all over the place. Yeah, where else? Germany, yeah, those are right. We, we've been all over this map, and it sounds like all over the globe, isn't it? I want you to listen for this in the sermon. I think we're going to talk about it today. You know, it doesn't matter where you go on this map or where you go in the globe. Jesus is with you. In fact, Jesus is with you, and Jesus is fighting for you. Jesus loves you and protects you and is with you always, even to the end of the age. So once you listen carefully, we're going to talk about some places. In fact, there's going to be three different towns we talk about in the sermon today. And I want you to listen for the name of all three of those towns and listen for what Jesus says to them. Okay? Let's pray and we'll go. Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray that you would help us to learn more about you and to experience you and be included in your work every single day. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hymn 431 is there's a glad new song ringing in my heart. Let's, let's sing this together. Let's stand together as we do.
Amen. If you would, find your listening sheet. It should be in your bulletin. We're beginning a new study today. We've been in the Ten Commandments all summer, and now we're moving to the book of Colossians. And we're starting in chapter 1, verse 1 this morning. And I hope you know that in our church, one of the ways that we promote and foster unity is we have one scripture across the campus and across our services uh, all week long. And so we do this together, Colossians 1, 1 through 8, uh, all week long together, and and next week we'll continue in Colossians 1. Um, But we do scripture together, and that is a blessed thing in this church, and I'm grateful for that. So let us stand, and we're going to read aloud together Colossians 1, verses 1 through 8. This, then, is the text for today. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world also as it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace in God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. The people didn't know it, but disaster was coming. A disaster that they could not predict. One that we still can't predict. And they were living out their days just like everyone else. Colossae was a a typical Roman city. It was was growing. It was doing well. It was diverse. Greeks and Romans and Jews. And it, it was a major crossroads between Sardis and Ephesus. And so here was Colossae in the middle of these two great cities, and it was growing on its own. In fact, at at one time, Colossae had the corner on the wool market. And they had this special dark red dyed wool known as Colossinum, unique to them. They were good and hardworking. They were that city along the way that they could be proud of. And they had no idea what was in store for them next. You know, there were a lot of things to be proud of if you were from Colossae. As I'm sure many of them were waving high that deep red wool, they were in Colossae. It's like many of us who are proud to be from San Antonio, Texas. We have this unique, rich cultural heritage. The Alamo, the Spurs, the Riverwalk. We are military city USA. And in 2017, we're the fastest growing city in the country. There's a lot to be proud of. And you know, we often define ourselves in this way, that we're proud to be from San Antonio. We are proud to be Texan. People from outside of Texas don't understand that. But we are, we're proud to be Texan, and with good reason. Proud to be American, with good reason. You see, historically, We are living in an age of prosperity unlike anything that has ever been seen on the face of this earth. And I hope and pray we don't take that for granted. It is a blessing to be alive here and now. More resources than anyone has ever had. It's not perfect, but we are blessed beyond measure. And one day the the Colossians, they were in the middle of this major Roman trade route between Sardis and Ephesus. 
there they were, thriving in the middle. Until one day they weren't. Sometime in the early 60s AD, Colossae was devastated by a major earthquake. Rocked the area so badly, um, essentially the city was never inhabited again. You know, many scholars believe that this letter that we're reading together right now, letter to the Colossians, was written not long before the whole city was leveled by an earthquake. You know, it's a difficult lesson to learn, but even the greatest cities come and go. The greatest nations rise and fall. And even that great Roman Empire is much of a memory. But you know, that's all just a part of being in Colossae. It's part of being in this world. See, when we get to verse 2 for today, and you, you can look with me in your text or on your listening sheet. Colossians 1, verse 2. This is, this is just the greeting uh, of the text. This is in that ancient letter form who this letter is for. When we get to verse 2, it's to the saints, faithful brethren in Christ, who are at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. See, there in verse 2, we have a reminder of our true identity. You see, if, if their whole identity was tied up in being a Roman or tied up in being a Colossian, they were going to be in trouble the day the ground shook. But they were more than a citizen. They were Christian. You know, we're looking here at a matter of how we define ourselves. Where does our hope come from? Where does our life come from? Who am I first? Am I a Colossian or a Christian? A Texan or a faithful servant of Jesus Christ? It matters. It is a reflection of your trust in how we identify ourselves. You see, though they lived in Colossae, their identity was in Christ. You know, I hope as you read those first eight verses this week, that you saw a repetitive theme. In five of these first eight verses, the name of Jesus Christ is invoked. Scripture mentions the name of Jesus Christ five times as a clarification to who is the most important, who is critical here. And as this story unfolds, though there is an earthquake looming, the person of Jesus Christ is the most critical. You see, all of this world, everything that happens on the face of this earth and all of our relationships that we have, all of the interactions that we have are completely tied up in the person of Jesus Christ already. Right? It, already, Jesus Christ is Lord over all of this. Our lives, our relationship, the earth, every bit of our schedule, every moment of our day, Jesus Christ is our sovereign Lord. And it is to our own detriment if we cannot yet figure that out. You know, it, as verse 2 comes to a conclusion here, you, you get this blessing of grace and peace prayed over the Colossians. And this isn't a platitude, but it's the present reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way that we'll ever know any kind of eternal peace, a peace that passes all understanding, is through the person of Jesus Christ. That's how we experience what peace is and what it feels like and what it, what it will be in the days to come. You see, just being in Colossae does not guarantee peace. We know, because we can look back on it, as we look back on history, that the Roman government is going to fail and eventually fall apart. They cannot even guarantee peace after an earthquake. You see, at some point, this is between you and your God. And God is the one who will always bring peace. You see, we have a difficulty here. Because we, we hear this, and we, we hear this often. But the difficulty that we face is that we want to define that peace in our own terms. 
And when we define any kind of peace in our own terms, it usually involves a certain level of comfort that we are accustomed to. But our God is not concerned with your creature comforts that you think you deserve. God is about bringing complete and total healing to your life. To bring healing into the pain that you're going to suffer in the days ahead. To be there to hold your hand as you walk through those devastating days. You see, even when we do not yet know we need it, God will walk with us through the most painful moments of life and help us get well. You see, that's what God does. God never promised a life without the earthquakes, but he promised that he would walk through the struggles hand in hand with us. If you are in Christ, it doesn't matter where you find yourself and it doesn't matter the things that you will walk through. If you are in Christ, you have an advocate who is fighting for you every step of the way. See, this is the joy of drawing in near to God that we have somebody to talk through the pain with, that we have somebody who can put his arm around us knowing that kind of pain who has been there before and has been there with us. You see, that was Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ at the crucifixion is our God enduring unbearable pain on our behalf, a God who bore the wrath knowing every difficulty we will ever face. We worship a God who has been there who has suffered with us. That whatever you're going through today and whatever you will face in this life, God has already seen it, God has already been there and faced it, and God has won the victory. You see, God is going to give you the grace and peace to endure. He has seen the struggles that you will walk through. And He has His abundant grace ready for you, the peace to endure. You see, it's in Christ that you will never be alone. Stuck in a corner in Colossae, you may be alone. But in Christ, you're never alone. You know, I take a lot of pride in calling myself a Texan. But it's far more hopeful to call myself a Christian. Being a Colossian was only temporary. Being in Christ is eternal. Now, we know, practically, these, these two coexist. It's not, it's not really one or the other. Being a Colossian, being a Christian, they coexist. It's a particular relationship there in Christ. And in fact, if we get the priority right, as those two realities come together, we can have an unimaginable impact on this city through the gospel. In fact, that's what, that's what Paul is teaching here, is helping us understand if we can get that relationship with Christ right and understand our role in the city and understand our role in the society, there's no telling what God is going to do through us in the days ahead. In fact, Paul heard that the Colossians were doing things well in these days. In fact, they were making an impact on their city. They were bringing light into darkness. It was in this day, some in the church were beginning to lose sight on what was most important. See, as we're going to continue to read through the book of Colossians in the weeks ahead, Scripture makes it clear where their identity lies. But some of them were doubting. And, and we'll find, find out later as this letter unfolds but some of them started to believe that, that Christ was only one piece of a larger puzzle. That they began to believe that, that our lives are about something more than just being in Christ. There has to be more to the story. There has to be a volume two to this. You know, many of us get there too. Wanting there to be more complexity. For some reason, we want this life to be more complicated than it already is, to be more than just the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, even a lot of Christians have viewed the, the gospel as just a jumping off point. It's a tool in your tool belt or phase one of a better life. But the gospel isn't any of those. The gospel in its simplest, purest form is a final definitive truth of life. There's nothing more and there's nothing less. 
If, if you go looking for peace anywhere else, you're never going to find it. It's never going to happen. In fact, if, if you jumped off the gospel hoping to land in grace, you're just going to fall into an abyss. The gospel is it. And that's perfect. It's exactly what we need because the gospel story is accessible across the globe and across the generations. See, that's the genius of the gospel. When you keep it simple, when you keep it simple, like in the bread and the cup, it's transportable from the epicenter of an earthquake to the moon. The body and blood of Jesus Christ go with us. See, when you keep the gospel simple, it is readily translated in the more than 3,300 languages that it's translated into. The truth is simple. It's just so often we don't want to hear it. So what that means for us is that you've already heard the truth of the full gospel. There's no club of secret knowledge behind the curtains. There's no volume two to this book. And, and it's our time now to respond to this gospel message with faith. There's nothing more. There's no other text. There's no other words. It's not even more complicated. The gospel is it. And so we go to our knees in repentance before our Lord. Because this is the gospel message. This is what we need to take with us. This is what life is about. This is how the world unfolds. The gospel message is that we are a sinful people. And though we were enemies of God in our sin. God sent his son to be an advocate on our behalf, to be crucified so that we may be forgiven and be made at peace with our God. It's that simple. That's the way the world works. We are broken, sinful people who need healing. And our God sent the cure. And so with that message that, that we already have laid out in front of us perfectly, we will obey our Lord. And so we do. We take Jesus' first words of his ministry and we follow them completely, obediently. And you know what? That first word of Jesus' ministry also happens to be the same word of the final book of our scriptures. The book of Revelation. And we are obedient unto all of it. The first word of Jesus' ministry in Matthew 4, 17 is for us to be repentant. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know, Jesus keeps preaching that repentance from heaven. I want you to remember Colossae. It was on that major trading route between Ephesus and Sardis before it was destroyed in the earthquake. And you know, when you begin to read the book of Revelation, sort of the end of this story, Jesus sends a message to some churches. Two of those churches that Jesus sends the message to are Ephesus and Sardis. Colossae, right there in the middle, missing. And you know, the message that he sent to both of those churches is the same message that Jesus sends today. It's simple, but the truth has stood all the way since the first word of his ministry. It's not a secret. There's no secret to the book of Revelation. The call of Christ in the final text of Scripture is just as simple as it's always been. In fact, look, look with me. Let's turn to Revelation. We're going to look in chapter 2 and chapter 3 to these churches. So message in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. This is, first, this is Jesus' word to the church at Ephesus. In verse 5, Therefore... Remember from where you have fallen and repent. Do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place. Unless you repent. That's the message to the church at Ephesus. Same thing. Look at Revelation 3.3, 3, the other city, the message to the church at Sardis. Revelation 3.3. 3. So remember what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know it, what hour I will come to you. 
You see, the, the, the message is right there in front of us. It's in the plain text. It's been the same for some 2,000 years. You see, the variable isn't the text. It isn't any more information. The variable is our receptive. Are we going to be receptive to this message that the Lord has laid in front of us? See, this is the gospel in Christ at Colossae. And that same word hasn't changed in some 2,000 years. It's still the same, the gospel in Christ for San Antonio. Let's pray together. Fathers, we gather in this place we recognize that the beauty of your message and the majesty of your throne. Lord, you alone are eternal and we bow our knees before you in total surrender that our lives have not been where they should be. But Lord, you have brought healing, made us whole. So we praise your holy name. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Everybody in here is going to respond to God. There's some different ways that you can do that this morning. There's some ways at the bottom of your listening sheet. Maybe God's calling you to respond to him in one of those ways. The altar is open. We can come down and pray together, kneeling on the steps. Uh, Brian and I will be down here at the front. If you'd like to come talk with us about accepting Christ or joining our church, this is the time to do that. And she come down and visit with us. We're going to sing. We're going to give. But all of us in here are going to respond to the Lord in some way this morning. So if you need to remain seated, please do. Um, but the rest of us, let us stand and let's respond. seated.
as we prepare for the receiving of the offering, our prayer prompt today puts us in mind of our heart-to-heart ministries, all of the, the care that we give to the church members going through a, a host of things and recognizing that we too are all broken people. So pray this along with me and, and hold this before you this week. God of all comfort, you generously deliver love through the afflicted, heartbroken, and weak. Please, please use our thorns to point others to Christ as he puts sin to death, carries us through seasons of pain, and teaches us disciplines that result in spiritual good. We pray that the friendships in this church be marked by gospel comfort that testifies to all that your son has done. Amen.
Hi, my name is Jason Smith. Hi, my name is Joel. Hi, my name is Matthew Benish. My wife, Emily. My wife, Alicia. My wife is Beverly. She's been involved with MOPS for, I guess, about eight years. Three years. Five years. I think her favorite thing is getting to know the other moms. Just having time together with other moms to fellowship and build friendship with, uh, with other moms. It has given, I guess, Beverly a, a great support network. Our kids, as they have grown up in mops, have really enjoyed the opportunity to go and play with friends and um, do all the different activities involved at mops. Learning, um, you know how to how to do this thing of, of parenthood. You know we're 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 slowly figuring it out ourselves, and it's helpful to be able to talk to other folks and learn from them. Mops has had a great positive impact on our family. Uh, even getting a chance to know what where are the best playgrounds and splash pads around town. Weekly, um, for sure, multiple times. Probably every week. More often than daily. both breakfast tacos and donuts. Uh, it's a great combination. I've always wanted to make huevos rancheros though, so I think I'd probably give that a shot and test it on unsuspecting you know, victims. Um, I think I'd probably bring cold pizza or tacos. What a fantastic ministry. <laughs> May we all have cold pizza for lunch. There's a couple of things you need to be aware of in our life together. Um, one of those, though, is not on here. I want to give you an update on. That is next Saturday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., we're going to have a Children's Hunger Fund training uh, in room 309 up here above our offices. Um, and Children's Hunger Fund is where we deliver boxes of groceries to families. And we used to do this just at Christmas. We're expanding this. It's going to be more than Christmas care. It's going to be through the year. And in fact, we're gonna develop relationships with these families. And you're gonna have an opportunity to disciple these families along the way through the year as you deliver the groceries each month. And so we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. That training will be next Saturday at 9 a.m. So please be aware of that. So backing up to Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night, September 4th, we have our new re-engage groups beginning. Um, this is one of our ways that we wanna help strengthen your marriage and help you to grow together as a couple. And this has been a wonderful ministry uh, that we've done the, the last couple of years together. Um, and it's gonna be fruitful. And so that starts again um, September 4th, Wednesday night, along with all of our other regular uh, Wednesday night activities, including our meal and our children's and youth activities. So be aware of those. And then Sunday night, next Sunday night, we're gonna have our next time for teaching on witnessing. So be back next Sunday night at 6 p.m. And we're going to continue this conversation on how we witness well. And how is God calling us to do that in our current communities, in our context? How can we share the love and message of Jesus Christ with those around us? So please come back next Sunday night to be a part of that. We also have a welcome to the world today. Uh, Joel, who was talking about the cold pizza on the video, uh, he and his wife Beverly have a new baby girl, uh, Josephine. Uh, born there August 22nd, so send them a message, let them know that uh, you love them and you're praying for them. And then one more thing from me, you see these, this beautiful arrangement that are that's in front of me, and they're given to the glory of God and in loving memory of Doris Shannon by her husband Rex, uh, whom we love, and make sure you give Rex a hug and, and tell him you love him today. Amen. You are dearly loved, Rex. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture comes from Colossians. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it as unto the Lord. Amen? So for this fall, our, our going out will be, this benediction will be to take the name of Jesus with you. That while all that we gain, all the strength that we gain from being together in service, that we will take it to seek the welfare of this city. So this hymn is based on that great verse from Colossians. So let us take the name of Jesus with you. Stand together and let's sing.
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.